Welcome to the Hopkins Podcast in Foreign Affairs. My name is Chris Park, and I'm joined by my co-host, Andy Offrank. For the past four decades, the United States has had a robust, unofficial relations with Taiwan, an island nation of about 23 million people. A strong multi-party democracy and an economic powerhouse, Taiwan has been a critically important entity in Northeast Asia. The status of the island and its future also have been key points of contention in Sino-American relations. In this special episode of the Hopkins Podcast on Foreign Affairs, we discuss U.S.-Taiwan relations with U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth. We discuss Beijing's military aggression and economic coercion against Taiwan, why the United States should work to counter such coercive actions, and what the senator believes Congress can do to strengthen relations with Taiwan. U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth serves as a junior senator from Illinois. A member of the Democratic Party, she was elected to U.S. Senate in 2016 after representing Illinois' 8th Congressional District in the U.S. House of Representatives for two terms. She is an Iraq War veteran, Purple Heart recipient, and former Assistant Secretary of the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Duckworth served in the Reserve Forces for 23 years before retiring at the rank of Lieutenant Colonel in 2014. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Hopkins Podcast on Foreign Affairs. Before turning to our discussion with Senator Duckworth, we wanted to lay out some context about the U.S.-Taiwan relations today. Our conversation with Senator Duckworth begins around the 4 minute, 45 second mark. When the United States established diplomatic relations with the People's Republic of China in 1979, Washington agreed to break off formal ties with Taiwan. The normalization of Sino-American relations was based on the three communiques released over the span of the decade between 1972 and 1982. In the Shanghai communique, the first of the three, the United States recognized that the PRC government was the sole legal government of China. Washington also acknowledged that all Chinese on either side of Taiwan's strait maintain there is but one China, but it did not recognize PRC sovereignty over Taiwan. Meanwhile, the unofficial and informal relations between the United States and Taiwan were laid out in the Taiwan Relations Act. The act codified Washington's de facto diplomatic relations with Taipei. It also stipulated that the United States will provide military aid to ensure Taiwan will have sufficient self-defense capabilities. But it did not guarantee American military support in the case of an armed invasion of Taiwan by China. We will return to this point in a bit. Additionally, the United States adopted the Six Assurances in 1982, assuring Taiwan of continued American support through arms sales despite cutting off formal relations. Against the backdrop of U.S.-Taiwan relations based on the TRA, three communiques, and six assurances, two important points have emerged about U.S. policy towards Taiwan that are relevant to our discussion with the senator today. First, the United States has always maintained that Taiwan's status is undetermined and thus has maintained a one-China policy. While the United States recognized the People's Republic of China as the sole legal government, it left open the question of Taiwan's sovereignty. It was first defined in the Shanghai communique, which we discussed earlier. Note that Washington also never respected, recognized, or accepted Beijing's One China principle or its position on Taiwan. The PRC's sovereignty over Taiwan is not recognized, nor does Washington consider Taiwan to be an independent country. Second, the United States has never specifically said whether it would support Taiwan in case of war with China, and has instead pursued a policy of strategic ambiguity which states that the United States does not explicitly guarantee that it will come to the defense of Taiwan should China attack. In a CNN town hall event last week, Biden contradicted the established U.S. policy. 
you know, you hear people saying Biden wants to start a new Cold War with China. I don't want a Cold War with China. I just want to make China understand that we are not going to step back. We are not going to change any of our views. So are you saying that that the United States would come to Taiwan's defense if China attacked? Yes, we have a commitment to do that. The White House later denied any shifts in policy. For now, at least, one China policy and strategic ambiguity still guides American policy towards Taiwan. Having set this context, we now welcome Senator Tammy Duckworth onto the podcast for a discussion on charting U.S. strategy in Taiwan. Thank you, Senator, so much for joining us on the podcast today. We wanted to start the discussion on why the United States should strengthen its ties with Taiwan and why should it work to deter Beijing's military aggression and economic uh, coercion against Taiwan. Well, I mean, Taiwan is an important strategic partner for the U.S. in the Indo-Pacific region, economically and on security issues. I think it's important because we want to guarantee freedom of navigation uh, uh, internationally to uphold the rule of law uh, internationally. And, um, you know, so even if it was just because of that, it would be important. But more importantly, Taiwan has been a friend of the United States. And not only has Taiwan served as the birthplace of some of the most advanced technology companies, it's also proven itself to be a reliable actor who's really always ready to engage positively with the global community. So they're good global actors and they are, um, they've proven time and again that they want to be part of the global community and, and, and uh, you know, a, a, a substantive um, uh, part, a productive member of the global community. And, and I think we should support any country that wants to do that. So I just want to move on to a little bit about what's currently happening between the United States and Taiwan. So how is the United States currently working to develop in collaboration with the Taiwanese armed forces, um, Taiwan's deterrence of military, um, Chinese military aggression against Taiwan? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, we have a long history of selling military equipment to Taiwan, and, and I am always will support those votes when they come up uh, in the Senate. Um, but I think we need to do a lot more than just simply sell them equipment. Um, I think that uh, security assistance and training uh, uh, is also something that we should be um, participating in with Taiwan. I think it would be mutually beneficial. Um, it's why I am working with Senator Cornyn uh, on our Bipartisan Taiwan Partnership Act. Um, and I got that, I actually got this built into the Senate version of the defense um, authorization, the defense budget that we're gonna be working on probably the first week in November. And among other things, the bill encourages the DOD to establish a partnership between Taiwan and um, U.S. National Guard units under the State Partnership for Peace program. Uh, Just so you know, what happens is uh, this program sets it up so that every state um, has a foreign nation uh, as a partner in the State Partnership for for Peace program, and you train each other and you train together, and, and we provide training and advice and counseling to those nations. So in Illinois, our partner has always been Poland for 27 years, but I really hope that we can um, get Taiwan into this program and and get a state, maybe Texas, uh, because of Senator Cornyn, to uh, act as an advisor to Taiwan as it grows its own National Guard uh, forces. As we discuss kind of these all different ways for the U.S. military to be beefing up its deterrence against China in the broader Indo-Pacific region, perhaps, you know, continuing and, you know, increasing our military aid to Taiwan and increasing cooperation between, um, you know, the two militaries. I'm wondering how the United States should be answering questions of how we contain 
this increased competition in 21st century with China from spilling out into outright military confrontation? Well, I think this is where we engage, where we engage in um, with the international community, and so why we need to engage with Taiwan um, uh, beyond, you know, and in, 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 as I said, with a state partnership for peace program. This is not building up their defense, but this is actually building up their reserve forces. Their 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 homeland defense forces is one of the ways that we can do this. It's maintaining freedom of navigation, uh, working with not just Taiwan but other nations that are uh, invested and 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 are um, in in a free and independent Taiwan um, to support us and to, to be part of the international community uh, to support a, a free and independent Taiwan. I mean, uh, keeping the Straits of Taiwan free is not just good for Taiwan or the United States, but it's also good for um, East Asian nations and Southeast Asian nations as well, because there's a lot of trade that goes through there. Taiwan is a major microchip manufacturer um, uh, in the world. And, and, and you know, then, and again, as I've said, Taiwan has shown itself to be a good Friend. I mean, they sent us PPE and other supplies in the early days of the pandemic when we didn't have enough in this country. Um, we're so pleased we were able to donate 2.5 million vaccine doses to the country. Um, but there's a lot more of that give and take that we can do and that other communities, other countries can do as well to help keep Taiwan engaged with the greater international community. And, and that in its, on, um, you know, it will also help contain the PRC's aggression as well. Because then they're not just dealing with Taiwan, they're dealing with the whole community, international community. Mm-hmm. Um, you brought up, you know, uh, uh, cooperation with uh, Taiwan in terms of dealing with the pandemic. I know you were in Taiwan just this uh, summer. Can you talk us um, a bit through like what was discussed and kind of what the outcomes were of the trip and the purpose behind the your visit to Taiwan? Well, it was early on um, in the Biden administration's vaccine diplomacy initiative, which is the United States. Um, is uh, donating vaccines, COVID-19 vaccines to the rest of the world. And this is very much um, a, a very different approach than what the PRC was doing. Because the PRC is actually forcing nations to buy their vaccines as opposed to uh, um, uh, donating. And what happened in Taiwan was that even though Taiwan had, um, uh, 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 had been seeking and had the ability to buy vaccines, um, the PRC was basically blockading Taiwan from being able to purchase those vaccines by telling those other nations, you know, that they were creating their own vaccines, um, like, um, like India and places like, if you send vaccines, you sell your vaccines to the Taiwan, then we will not do business with you. And so it was an economic blockade of Taiwan. And so uh, Senator Coons, Senator Sullivan and I were talking, we think, you know, we really need to stand with Taiwan. They're the only nation in the world that's being actively blockaded from the vaccine in the middle of a global pandemic by the PRC. And um, so we, we worked with the administration and they agreed to uh, allow us to travel to Taiwan to make the announcement of our donation of vaccines. Because it was very, I thought it was very important to stand with Taiwan and in their time of need, the way they stood with us by sending us PPE when we were in a time of need early on. Um, so you discussed your trip to Taiwan. Could you discuss as well um, what other policies outside the realm of military assistance that the United States should pursue to strengthen relations with Taiwan, you know, out, like I said, outside of military means? And what role can Congress play in this? Oh, there's a lot that we can do. I, I think that we should evaluate the feasibility of enhanced cooperation between the two peoples uh, on, our, on all sorts of issues like emergency response, cyber defense, education, cultural exchange, um, uh, manufacturing, you know, one of the issues that we've seen during COVID 
um, has been supply chain manufacturing um, shortages and shortcomings. Um, uh, I think that uh, it's really important that we look at all the other ways we can work and partner with Taiwan. It's why I introduced the Bipartisan Taiwan Partnership Act, and I'm working really actively to include it in this year's defense bill. I think these, you know, these non-military activities are very much fully in line with the Taiwan Relations Act and other um, pieces of established U.S. policy. Um, you know, we talk with Taiwan about making uh, investments in the United States. Um, uh, one of the problems that we're having right now with the global supply chain is that Taiwan produces over 90% of the microchips used um, here in the U.S. You know, for, for cars. So we have actually uh, uh, production lines for, for vehicles that are uh, sitting idle right now because we can't get enough microchips. Um, so, you know, working with Taiwan to help them, you know, get them to make some investments in microchip production in the United States and then us making investments in their country um, and just finding more ways to work together, I think, um, will be really helpful. Um, to conclude our discussion on Taiwan, you know, as you know, early October, you know, China sent, um, you know, the largest air, uh, air force incursion into Taiwan air defense identification zone. And, you know, there are growing signs that, you know, perhaps there are China, Beijing is trying to ready itself to perhaps um, invade Taiwan. And such assessments are, you know, reflected in how American defense analysts are thinking about this issue and approaching Taiwan. So against this backdrop, what's next for, you know, Taiwan and how should we respond to these slowly inching towards um, or tendency to slowly inch towards aggression and military conflict while at the same time preserving the um, international peace and you know stability in the in the Pacific? Well, know that the PRC is doing this all over the Indo-Pacific. Uh, they've built entire islands uh, out of uh, in the middle of the ocean and then claim territorial waters around those islands. So the PRC is encroaching on waters for many, many nations. And that's why it's so important for us as uh, the United States to work with our allies like Australia, like the United Kingdom, uh, to, to maintain freedom of navigation, uh, not just in the sea lanes, but also in the airspace as well, and to, to show and, and be a presence in the region so that there is a presence other than the PRC and, and to really push back on the, these PRC uh, attempts to uh, basically creep into other nations' territorial areas. Um, and, and again, you know, I just have to say, it's about international involvement and involving Taiwan in everything that we do in, in the region, not just um, dip, um, uh, defense, but also economically as well. And, and then bringing in our allied nations as well uh, to participate in that. Senator Duckworth, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. We so appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed our discussion with Senator Sammy Duckworth. We would like to expand upon the Taiwan Partnership Act that Senator discussed during our interview. Senator Duckworth introduced the bill with Senator John Corn in July. This bill calls for increased cooperation between the National Guard and the Taiwanese military on a host of issues, including disaster response and cyber defense. It also calls for American support and training facilitation of Taiwan's reserve forces. At a time where Congress is increasingly divided across party lines, this bill is especially noteworthy due to its bipartisan support across both houses of Congress. The bill is an important sign of bipartisan support for strengthening ties with Taiwan and specifically improving Taiwan's defense posture against Beijing's military aggression. Indeed, this bill comes at a time when China has become increasingly aggressive about its claims over the island, 
As recently as a few weeks ago, several dozen Chinese fighter jets flew into Taiwan's air identification zone over a course of a few days, marking the largest ever incursion by the Chinese Air Force into the area. These demonstrations of military strength from China have raised tensions in an already fraught relationship between China and Taiwan, and Washington has been expressing increasing concern over the current situation as well. Issues outside the military realm have also increased tensions between China and Taiwan. China has used various forms of economic coercion against Taiwan and countries that have expressed support for Taiwanese independence. Most recently, China suspended imports of sugar and wax apples from Taiwan, which mirrors a similar ban on pineapple imports from the island earlier this year. Additionally, China imposed roadblocks to economic exchange with Lithuania in retaliation for a de facto Taiwanese embassy opening in the country. Vaccine diplomacy also have been a contested subject in China-Taiwan relations. For example, in June of this year, Taiwanese Foreign Minister Joseph Wu accused China of using vaccines to persuade countries not to recognize Taiwan as a sovereign nation. American policy of strategic ambiguity and one-China policy has not changed, despite President Biden's recent comments at the CNN town hall. However, the United States is at a critical point in navigating the increasingly fragile cross-strait relations. And as our discussion with the center today showed, the United States appears to be prepared to increase cooperation with Taiwan and improve Taiwan's military and economic security. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Hopkins Podcast on Foreign Affairs. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to say thank you to the International Studies Program at Johns Hopkins University and the SNF Agora Institute at Johns Hopkins University for making this episode possible. Remember to follow us on social media at Hopkins POFA on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for the latest and greatest of Hopkins POFA content. Hit follow on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes, and leave a rating. We'll see you next time.